Welcome to this week's Into the Wilderness podcast. I am by myself doing the intro. I'm one of your hosts. Daryl Byron is currently in Nepal. And if you want to keep up to date with what he is up to, then head over to our Instagram account. There's been a few pictures up of him out there. Uh, but he is in the mountains right now and he'll be out of signal for the next 10 days. So we look forward to the update. Sadly, I can't join him uh, as I am still incapacitated and my arm is still in a cast for another another week or so. And uh, my leg, unfortunately, I am still still working on fixing that one. It's uh, it's going to be a little bit of a long process involving a lot of drugs. I'm trying to avoid surgery at all costs, but you know, it's the it's the way it is. In fact. If there is any physiotherapist out there, or anyone that knows a physiotherapist, that would like to give me a few uh, moves that I should do for uh, for rehabilitation, then shoot me a message, because currently there's a 12-week waiting list on our National Health Service to even have a consult with one up in the northeast of Scotland. Uh, so it would be greatly appreciated. Now, we have a really, really good show for you today. We have Sarah Farmsworth, and you probably have heard that name before because she's almost everywhere right now with her photography. She's on the front cover of a lot of the major shooting and also horse racing uh, magazines. And we were fortunate enough to grab her when she stopped by our office to say hello. And uh, much to her horror, we shoved some microphones in her face, but she's done a fantastic job. This show is very photography-based, so that's the way we've gone today. And if you are a keen photographer or want to get into photography, uh, yeah, we mainly talk about photography, not really film, then listen to this show and there'll be some pointers and tips and how Sarah got into the photography and her her style and everything that goes along with it. I would just like to remind everyone that we are still taking entries for the DNA Film Festival that will be running at the Northern Shooting Show on Saturday 12th to, the sun, to Sunday the 13th of May 2018. We will also have a special showing of the films on the Friday night and there will be a small number of tickets for the general public to purchase and we'll also be giving one or two of them away so make sure you keep listening to the show so that you can find out how to win them or purchase them as well it's going to be a really really good weekend and there's some fantastic prizes up for grabs as well now you may have heard us talking about Black Friday deals with Scott Country, and we will be bringing you those next week. There'll be an extra show, and we will be talking all about thermal imaging on that show, and it will be out either on the Thursday night or the Friday morning in time for Black Friday, and we will be bringing you deals from Scott Country. We'll also be bringing you news as well. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to grab someone else to come on the show to talk about news, because Byron will still be away at this point. But make sure you subscribe to our show on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on so that you can get these uh, deals not to be missed. Now, if you want to check out stuff on Scott Country, all their night vision stuff, their, their, their camera traps, their bags, everything, then head over to the Scott Country website where they also have a new catalog. And I've just been flicking through the catalog. It is very easy to get onto the catalog. It is just all the W's, scottcountry.co.uk forward slash online there you have it and then you can get on their catalog looking at all the latest thermal imaging cameras and on next week's show and maybe a little bit at the end of the show i'm going to talk to you a little bit about the advancements in handheld thermal technology because over the last two to three years the advancements have been crazy in terms of the actual technology itself but also the price range coming down and down and down so i encourage everyone to go and check out scott country and listen to next week's show as well to find out all the deals. And also, we've got quite a few news to topics to cover as well. Now, because we're going to be bringing an extra show next week, 
we're going to extend the competition for another week. We've had loads of in entries and we will announce the next competition on next week's show as well. But I imagine it's going to be along the lines of winning another cleaning rod. The, the entries we've got, it's got some amazing entries of people sending in their rifles that they're going to get cleaned. So it's, uh, it's going to be quite a few to go through and uh, pick from as well. We will also be giving away some Northern Shooting Show mugs and towels. So keep tuned on how to win them. I think I've talked enough now, so let's jump straight into the show. And you will notice that there isn't really a proper start to the show because we just started recording and talking uh, before Sarah even knew that we had uh, had a click for record. So it's uh, straight into a very relaxed conversation. And you definitely won't get value for your money if you get a Mac. No. <laughs> No, everyone says, get a Mac. And I'm like, I can't physically work with them. I tried. No, I've tried. You, I you, can't do it. Una gave me um, her Mac. She's got a MacBook. Yeah. <laughs> I used it for one weekend. Yeah. And I, I said, have a back. I'm not yeah. using this thing. No, I, ha I had a MacBook Pro. And again, I tried it for about six months. But I couldn't because I've got all my keyboard shortcuts on um, for Lightroom and um, yeah. Photoshop. I could not get to grips with any of them because it was I, I don't even I don't even know how to put things in the, uh, the recycling bin on the Mac. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. You, you'd think it would, they'd have a delete button. There isn't one on the keyboard for a Mac. And I was like, okay, so like Command D for delete. <laughs> okay, no, they call it trash. So maybe Command T. No, no honestly, still don't know how to delete things. It's just far too hipster for me. <laughs> it's just made it sound hipster front. It, it's a... a it's a little bit like the beard thing. I had somebody ask me the other day, I said, did you, did you have a beard before it was cool? I said, yes, I had a beard before it was cool, and I intend to have one long time after it stops being cool again. <laughs> I didn't grow it because it was suddenly on trend. Although you did, Daryl, didn't you? No. <laughs> I have a very different reason I have a beard. Because when I was in the Navy... You weren't allowed to. You weren't allowed. Well, you were allowed to have a beard, but you have to ask written permission. No. Yeah. So you you write you write a thing to the captain. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, and then you get given two weeks to grow it, and then they inspect your beard, and, and if it's crap, they tell you to shave it off. Oh, brilliant! And the first time I did it, it was crap, so I had to shave it off. And then how many weeks were you given? Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks, and it wasn't good enough, mainly because I'm blonde, so it, 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 it doesn't like it's fine now. And then. When I left, I had a beginning of a beard, but you can't have it massive, massive. It's still got to be neat. And then I vowed from that day onwards that I would never shave make again. a man let make force me to shave. <laughs> and where are you, when are you growing your beard? <laughs> well, funny you should say that. I'm starting that. Next. Well, I should go in for November, really. <laughs> no, we're that's a good point, actually. Are you? Do you are you going to be bold enough to go November or get rid of the rest of the beard? It's looking yeah, quite good right now. You've got the old, good old. I've got enough problems going for me right now. <laughs> yeah, you do actually. You're not going to go for the um the new Hercule Poirot for the or merger on your Orient Express. Go for the um oh, the yeah. one that um <laughs> that, oh, with a bit of wax on the yeah, on the, on the corner. <laughs> I think you could pull it off, Joe. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> now we're quite lucky that you've stopped past Sarah because you would. I know that we've kind of wrangled you into doing a podcast, yep. but you've you've just stopped in. We've wrangled you into doing a podcast, but what what have you been doing in in our country over the border <laughs> from deepest north of the England, wall? North, north of the of wall. The wall. Um, well, we've been uh, coming up to do a wedding um, up on a Highland estate for some friends who work on that estate, and they had a most fantastic time of it—a full weekend of of shenanigans, really. Did, um, was the weather kind for you? Not particularly. Um, we drove up on Wednesday was, was the big push to head north and we got to Carbridge Wednesday night and then Thursday pushed on via a trip to Campbells of Bewley. And, it's a great place. Um, we were just talking about earlier, but it's lovely. Yeah, and uh, on th yeah Thursday we pushed on up and it was beautiful um, right up. It's up towards Scourie, so um, almost northwest, northwest tip, I suppose. And um, Friday, beautiful day. Day, I think um, and we went out and taking lots of pictures of all the deer and everything that we could possibly see and Saturday we'd all got our fingers and toes crossed for a beautiful day and you know nice frosty start be perfect but it was intermittent rain then it was sun then it was sleet then it was hail then it was sun and it was a pattern like so that all Scot day Scotland then typical yeah four seasons in one day and um, there was we were lucky there was a little bit of snow on the tops um, oh, in the distance fantastic. which was really nice um, but we had a 20 minute window where um, everybody was in the village hall beautiful little uh, location for it everyone was in the village hall 
um, ready to go, dressed in their tweeds. Um, all the spaniels were on leads. Each, all the ushers and bridesmaids had a spaniel each to basically lead in the bride. And um, the bride had come out of the house and taken one look at the weather and seen it's dry. And a message was sent to everybody in the village hall saying, "Quick, get outside!" So everything had to <laughs> so get moved outside. So the wedding worked around the weather. The wedding worked around the weather. So everything was moved. Um, all the table for doing the signing of the register and that. And there's a beautiful lich gate and archway outside oh, the village hall. Nice. So we all piled back outside, and the bride made her entrance. And we just had enough time to have the ceremony. And as they were signing the final bit of the register, there was plop on the table and everyone piled it back inside to have the rest of the celebrations so indoors. Did so. you say there were spaniels and stuff around the yep. during the wedding? That um, so, well, six, six dogs in total, um, five spaniels and one lurcher. So, um, yeah, all ex- well, working gun dogs, basically. So oh, they were all great. very well behaved, so it was fantastic. Oh, that's tremendous. People people leave it, leaving the <laughs> office. <laughs> And, and that was a helicopter coming in in the middle that you were explaining. And that helicopter was going one place, and that was probably to drop off a shooting party. Really? Well, well to probably take them home. Yeah. And now Dad's oh. turned off the lights <laughs> yes. in the podcast yeah. in the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was slightly distracting, the helicopter coming in. It's either that or an emergency, but probably no, a shooting party. Was. It was. Uh, it was one of those sleek looking was, oh, did you see it? Yeah, I saw oh, it. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't look yeah. out the window. It's a different world up here for that. It is. Talking about weather, though, that's one thing that we always struggle with in a way when we're out filming or taking pictures because rain and water and electronic equipment doesn't go all that well together. But you pr- nope. you get away with it a little bit more. You have a your Nikon's weather sealed, right? They are. But how far do you push supposedly, it? Supposedly. Um, it's, it's more the condensation. Um, so when you're going, if you're doing a shoot day, for example, and you're going um, from drive to drive, and you do one drive and it, it starts to rain, and you think this is fine, and then you get in the car. And because it's such a different temperature and everything starts to steam up mm. and it's a then a case of when you get back outside, it's just making sure that everything, you can actually see through the viewfinder, you, the lens has fogged steam up. up so, yeah, the mirror will steam up and it's the, um, I f- the worst bit I find is where between the filters and the end of the lens is mm. my is my worst bit of it really so I go through so many um, lens wipes <laughs> and chamois, yeah. chamois leather yeah. and I've got um, these um from their sort of, I don't know, fabric camouflage um, hoods that go over the whole okay, yeah. camera like body. Like a neoprene as well. kind of thing, is They're it? They're not neoprene. They're sort of, they're supposedly Teflon coated. Um, Wildlife Watching Supplies is the guys that get them from. And they're, they're supposed to be the kind that you stick on a hide, basically. So you just put over a thing and it's got a fleece lining on the inside and a little pouch, which has got... Um, for, for, hand for hand warmers. Ah. And um, then it's, yeah, camouflage where you can have green or whatever you want. But for doing the shooting and deer stalking stuff it's just you might as well have a camo one and um that is my go-to thing but even they can only cope with so much and because they're quite cumbersome Mm. i've not quite found anything yet that does the full works to keep everything dry but um yeah the british weather doesn't really help we did we did a week in blair athol recently where it rained four days out of the five and we just every night we came back it was just cleaning cloths just we had hundreds in our pockets and We were struggling to keep the cleaning cloths dry Absolutely. to, to yeah. keep the lenses dry. Oh, it was a nightmare. The other photographers, uh, they, uh, I, th- I think they killed more equipment than we, we did. No. They, 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 they put cameras in the drying room, which yep. was steamy yeah. from all the other clothes drying. And I, I, we were sitting around for dinner the one night, and we, you know, we were talking about the day, and the photographers there, you know, how did you guys get on? The weather was you know, terrible, blah, blah, blah. He said, "Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all wet. I've left it in the drying room." I said, "You haven't left it in the drying room, have you?" Mm-hmm. He says, "Yeah, why?" I said, "Did There's you not realise how steaming it was in there?" <laughs> so I could see him thinking, "I need to get back to the lodge. I need to get back to the lodge so that I can go and take my camera out of the drying room." But we, you know, we just put it beside radiators in our room. But even yeah. our room actually was almost had condensation in yeah. it just from all the moisture from the clothes and. No, we're, it's not good. We're lucky we've got a good airing cupboard at home. So as soon as on any day like that, it's just the cameras go straight in there, sort everything else. That can wait. Uh, the coats can wait. I'd rather mm, just make sure the Generally, you can save electronics if you have it off and it's just yeah. drying. Yeah. Generally. Now, do you do you do the, the camera lens dance when you're swapping 
camera lens because we have I this thought that was just me oh, no, no, no. <laughs> the reason I asked this right is because I thought maybe we're just being a bit too anal about it because you know camera lens trying to make sure that oh, get quickly get the next one on so that everything's sealed again yep. and I was watching somebody else just this week I was doing a job down the borders well there was another two photographers there and I was doing video and I watched them do a very similar dance to the one that we do <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'm wondering whether you do the lens swap dance yeah it's it's just the um yeah it's just that switch over isn't it that's never easy because you think oh I'll just put you put the body cap back on for two seconds but it's not actually practical to do that and when you're stood out on a hill and you end up sort of shoving it under your armpit to try and keep (laughs) one bit there and then yeah it's without dropping it is is not it's not easy. It's not so easy you just I, we, I, we normally get the lens that we're changing quickly take it off just so you can quickly do the swap because it's a lot easier to clean the the, the fitting end of the, yep. the other lens than it is inside your camera. Absolutely, yeah. It's keeping it the camera body pointing down, isn't it? Yeah, That's exactly. the main thing. So yeah. there's no no part of the elements that can physically get in, whether it's sand, dust, mm. rain, leaves. And, and then, <laughs> then you're competing, like especially when you're on a shoot day, a dog always runs up as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. There's a wet, wet nose <laughs> yeah. it decides to feature yeah. within very prominently in that. Yeah. For people, I, I, we've kind of skipped ahead here because I want to. I, I do want to ask you a little bit how you know how you got into it, how you've got from. You know, I'm sure we all got a camera at some point when we were a kid, and now you are doing you know, a shared load of field sports photography amongst other types of photography. I want to talk about that, that next. But for people who think, right, I have a camera, a lot of people have interchangeable lens cameras, but they don't know how to use them, or they don't, they want like an accessory or maybe another lens, but don't really know what it is that they're looking at. What is your go-to lenses that you, if you could only have two lenses, what was is the kind of spec that you would say to someone, you really need this and this? Um, the first lens, which I'm guessing a lot of sports photographers and field sports photographers um, will have, is 70 to 200, 2.8 lens. Awesome. It's mm. just, it's fast, it focuses well, and it's just, yeah, it is the go-to bit of kit that I would, would not be without. It's what I use on a permanent basis for pretty much every type of photography I do. Mm. Obviously, there's a point where it gets to too low light to make use of it, and then my other lens that I like to use is a 35mm 1.4 um, and that is just because it's that's super fast and just to be able to stop it down and just use it in near dark, especially with the camera body that I've got now is brilliant to, to make use of that and to get some really nice atmospheric shots mm. is, is very helpful. Uh, um, what would you say, th- you know, you can you can look at pictures and you can look at pictures and there are pictures and there are pictures. What is it that is the the different? There's a lot of aspects to it, but <laughs> for people who just want to take just slightly better pictures, yeah, what is it about the way that you need to approach it that'll just help you take a better image rather than just something that has got no depth to it that it, that could e- easily be taken with a phone? I think you mm. probably hit it there. Well, probably le- learn say. how to <laughs> use depth of field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. That I was going to say that is quite a tricky question to answer, but um, it's. Getting your composition in there, obviously, is a big thing. And I think that's actually... People are a lot more aware of how to compose an image these days because of their mobile phones. Mm. But it's the technical side of it. Just, you know... People I speak to say, oh, yeah, I'll just stick it in, you know, just P, P mode. mode. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, just take it out of there. Just just try aperture priority. You don't have to go full manual. Just go aperture priority and just, just learn how much... what the lens, what the capabilities are of it. And if it can go to 2.8, just just try stuff at 2.8 and mm. just go with it and see whether it will go to that. I mean, you can get a lot of good images at um, with a wider depth field, but it's, it's not the same at all. I, I don't, I can't put my finger on what it is about having that, that depth of something in focus and then background or foreground out of focus that can, you could take exactly the same image yep. in like F16. Ugh. <laughs> and it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't i mean it there, there is a time and a place for that yeah. but not most of the time no, no. <laughs> or, or the when uh when i was picking a wedding photographer i didn't actually pick the photographer in it did and i said of any of them you give me yep. if i see a single effect of the blur in the background where they've done it <laughs> afterwards they're out straight away that's ruled out yeah. it's just oh, it just it's so cheap yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not good. And it tells me they can't use a camera as well. <laughs> I would say to people who, even you know, I don't have to cast my mind back that far. When I would look at a 
an SLR with all the buttons on it, and I would think, I just have no idea how to use this damn thing. Mm. But there are so many great tutorials on YouTube oh, now you that'll explain the three aspects of it. Your yeah. ISO, your shutter speed, and your f-stop. Yeah. No. And once you understand those three things, that is it, basically. You can't go wrong, effectively. You, so you it's um, it, it's it's good for people knowing about photography. Mm. But then it's it's also a case of it just widens the market, doesn't it, really, for, well, for people. So, so then you've got to then be that little bit better, better again yeah, you and you've yeah. just got to keep pushing yourself so in, in that respect I it's quite refreshing because it just makes it a, a challenge you've yeah. just got to keep pushing I suppose yeah. that has that is one of the aspects that has changed in photography in still photography in the last couple of years and actually even in video yeah. is that as you say the sort of the, the Joe Public standard yeah. has got a quite a better. bit higher yep even with you know, there are some phones now that you can oh, they, they can actually the get depth the of field. Well, you think yeah. you think the Sony and the the Samsung they're already at twenty two megapixel yeah. cameras over yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, my I mean, iPhone's still struggling with an eight or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't it the new? Is there new the new portrait mode? Isn't it on the iPhone? Yeah, but it costs a grand the phone. Yeah, does it's it? Ridiculous. Yeah. I've not even un- I, I couldn't care less about phone. iPhone X. Yeah. Apparently, the camera is the, very good on it. Yeah, for the depth of field. Yeah, for the depth of field. But even that is just cheating because people don't know what they're actually but doing. It's a, th- it's a thousand so. pounds. You just press the screen, right? You just press, yeah. And then it gives you the depth. <laughs> what I'd rather do is buy the cheaper iPhone, which does the same thing, and mm-hmm. then spend the extra five hundred pounds on, <laughs> on a cheap a SLR. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what you can do. Daryl has an SLR from about fifteen years ago. <laughs> That we used to use, we don't use so much anymore. We used to use it for the odd time lapse, and it's actually sitting at my house now. And and Beth uses it if she needs to take some photos of stuff. And I think that's a 12 megapixel camera. And it is, and it's got a really cheap, horrible plastic kit lens on it. But it is amazing what you can do with that. Well, if you know how to use it, it. yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And the the thing is, is, it is upgradable a bit with the lens. Well, you could go and stick yeah. one of our, like, the or lens, even, which is worth... Or 50-50, you know, or just even a, a yeah. you know, 50mm little yeah. portrait lens would be... Would Proper photographer jargon there, yeah. nifty 50. <laughs> and, and for people out there, lenses are expensive. We we, we all know the pain of, of lenses, of... Good glass. Uh, well, they, but the thing is, it pays. Yeah, it does absolutely. pay, but it is depressing when you spend 1500 2000 pounds on a lens and the body itself is worth the same amount of money. Uh but we buy a lot of second hand lenses. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. There's actually an amazing second hand market out there yep. where you can get an almost brand new lens for five or six hundred pounds less than what you pay for it new. Yeah. I definitely use, I buy second hand quite regularly. Um, a lot of my kit is really, it's workhorses and there's yeah. almost no point me buying brand new because not that I'm going to trash it, but because I go out into some quite tough environments. I, I've got to have something that A can cope with that and B I'm not going to get too precious about if it does get the odd knock or bump mm. here and there and scratches and mud and grain it's, an, it's and inevitable like as much as you want to look after your kit it's yeah. it's going to get scratches it's, it's a bit like a gun when you get a new gun you're going to notice the marks mm. on it when you mark the, the stock but if you never take it out of the cupboard it'll yep. never get a mark on it <laughs> and no. with, with all the gear I mean we're using our gear professionally you're using your gear professionally you have to use it Absolutely. because if you're not yeah. using it hard you're going to miss that you know the mm. sort of great shots and yeah. as you were saying you kind of have to no, push you, it to the next level push don't you yourself to do it and that that means going out in the rain and to get the shots because you know that there's going to be some fair weather photographers out there going oh no I'm not taking my baby camera it's not happening I um, like it fair weather photography (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I feel like a fair weather (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I feel like a fair weather videographer because uh, I'm I'm aggrieved no it's do you know I don't care about getting wet it's just I I am concerned say for example you're on a five day job yeah if you ruin your gear on day, day one, one yeah. what do you do? You know, yeah, okay, we've got a couple of cameras, but nothing's as good as the best stuff which we're actually using. We have yeah. backup stuff which is older. So th- you, you do get a little bit precious about it, but equally... Yeah, and then it could yeah. knock-on effect to you might have a job back-to-back. Yeah. Well, we do have good insurance... Yeah, but yeah, but there is, but you know, we're Highland postcodes, so that yeah, takes exactly, about a yeah. week to send yeah. anything up. What, Sh- what are you going to do? Surely, though, you've got, you've, is it Fords? You've got um, just up the way, um, just north of Bewley, isn't it? Is it Fords Photographic who do secondhand? Oh, um, they do we, really we do. good. Um, you, you don't even live in Scotland. We don't. We don't know. There's no. F-F-O-R-D-E-S, tell me more. O R D E S Fords fo- Photographic, okay. and um, yeah, they do a lot. If I'm if I'm scouring the internet for secondhand camera bodies, because there's not too many that have been superseded these days within in the Nikon range um 
I was looking for um, D4S bodies and there's not very many. They're like hen's teeth trying to find a good one in mint condition because there's so few people that can afford to upgrade to the D5. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Ford's Photographic is one of is one of the, yeah, the places that I look at. Um, and that's closer to us than it is to yeah. you. Yeah. And I'm I didn't, I didn't even realise, I must right. admit. So it's we buy from everything south of the border. <laughs> and you, you buy from Scotland. Of the border. Pretty much, yeah. Um, there's, um, uh, when, when I went to Campbell's of Bewley, um, John was chatting about it. And he said, oh, they're only up the road. And I was like, oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. All I've seen is them online as a, as a good retailer. And they've I got a really good system for seeing how um, the condition. I've never so heard of it. So they've got, um, whether it's in, um, you know, they've got E for excellent and all that stuff like yeah. that. And they do um, plus symbols for how, how good a condition the bits of kit are in. And they've got new as well. No, but, but um, yeah. You learn something new every day, don't you? <sighs> but I would definitely say to people, go and check out secondhand stuff. And there's loads of uh, Wex and MPB, I think we use quite a lot. Yeah, very uh, reliable. And now yeah. this place Wex. in Scotland. But Wex, yeah. what you're talking about Campbell's. We, we should just, just because you've been in there <laughs> today, we, um, we did some... Uh, <coughs> photography and film work in Campbell's on the film that we did on Tweed only in the last couple of months. Yeah. But what That Amazing place is lovely, film. isn't it? It is. It's abs- oh, It's just so much heritage of yeah. Tweed and sporting life yeah. is, is just sort of encapsulated in that shop and what you can actually walk out the door with, which I, is the waistcoat. Uh, which no, did you, did you get the buttons too. changed on that? I did, yeah. It started off with just the standard tortoiseshell buttons and um, I was chatting to the lady in the shop and I said, oh, you know what would be really nice? So if I could put some antler on it, thinking, oh, you know, maybe perhaps I could take it home and yeah. where the half who's quite clever and crafty could maybe, you know, produce something. And then she went, oh, we've got some antler buttons upstairs. And I was like, oh, would you would you consider that? Yeah, no problem. And she said, pop back in 20 minutes. And um, and it came back and the, the buttons were done and... And that was that, and it's just something. Well, hopefully, it's a little bit more unique than mm, what yeah. everyone else is, because it's an off-the-peg waistcoat. But um, you got a kind of your own, yeah. own signature on it there with the. Amazon as long as nobody else goes and does the same. <laughs> the thing I, the thing I love about that place is if you if you ask, you can you know you can walk around the shop and you can see the retail aspect. Of, but if you you can actually go and see them making all the stuff yeah. upstairs. Yeah, no, they're we, making it above your head as you walk in, which it's is the just same fantastic. as the Isla, um, the Tweed Mill. Well, it's Willen, it's Willen, Isla Willen Willen Mill. Mill. Yeah. You know that place hasn't changed in about 40 years 50 years and you can see the entire process being done there hmm. and you don't even have to ask no, you, you just walk through it's like an through. open museum yeah. Oh, yeah. No, have you been there before no it's on it's on the list of many places bucket list I, I, I left there with two massive uh, blanket uh, rugs <laughs> new uh, new cap uh, <laughs> and I bought something else as well. I left it with loads of stuff. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and the guy who owns that, Gordon, is just one of those characters. Yeah, he's from Yorkshire originally, is not? I think I'm sure it's from. No, no, sorry, I'm, I'm misspeaking. He, he's from somewhere down south originally, same place that John's from actually. John oh, Sugden, right. who owns Campbell's, and uh, he is just this fountain of knowledge. Yeah, uh, and he's worked on like nearly every major movie you can think of producing tweed for them. No way. Yeah. Braveheart. Braveheart. Okay. He is the only person who can make the tweed that the that Mel Gibson's kilt was made wow. in. Yeah. Okay. On the, like, you know, because the, the, whoever produced it, it would have licensed the, the tweed. He couldn't make it for two years or couldn't, something. Yeah, like and now really? he's the only person on the planet that can make the Braveheart That's tweed. That's really cool. Uh, and most really of it goes cool. to the States. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't surprise me. No. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> probably all, all, all these replica Braveheart um, tweeds. They probably don't even really know that it's William Wallace. It's just known as Braveheart. <laughs> but no, it's, it's amazing watching it. And he was talking about like how the actual how the mill operates and how he makes it and it just sort of talk, oh yes this and then this slides through here and then this weave does that and I'm looking at that. I don't even know how you got your head around that in the first place it's just place. second I, nature to them, I don't even know how really? the machine works no <laughs> like <laughs> lots of big yeah. cogs making noises yeah no it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to photograph I must open bet as a process of, yeah. of what there is it's just a photographer's yeah, it's paradise just a, isn't it, it is. you, you apart from lighting to, <laughs> yeah, lighting really soft. Hence why you want your really nice prime lenses <laughs> yeah. in yes. there for doing that because you can just Lots yeah. of light. Yeah. So but no, if you if you must you must go and uh, you can pretty much just walk in there. Really? Yeah, they're open I think well certainly Monday to Friday. Yeah. And they are operating Monday to Friday. Well, I know for yeah. a fact this is how how cool this place is <laughs> that if there's any shooting parties coming onto the island, they stay open over the weekend to make sure they can oh, get in. Oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. So they can come in. 
and see the process, hopefully buy some stuff there. Yeah. No, that's good. So, uh, we've taken long enough to get to this point, <laughs> but how how did you get into photography? I mean, a lot of people will know your name now, especially in the field sports world as a field sports photographer, and you do a lot of stuff with uh, the horse, horse racing as well, and you've got... Yep. You've very much got like a sig- I can normally tell, even if I haven't seen your signature on it, I can normally tell, tell if it's your, one yeah, of your, your photos. Which That's is good. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that because it's nice to hear that kind yeah. of feedback. Yeah. hundred percent. If you line up pictures, <laughs> I could I could probably ninety nine percent of the time pick your picture out of the rest of them. Oh thank you. Which okay. uh, <laughs> it, it's so, it's so great to have that as a yeah. it's a bit like if I suppose in the music world, if you hear a song that you've never heard before and you can tell immediately what the band yeah. is because it you know it's them. But how did you get into it? What's what's your progression from, you know, I guess at some point you were an amateur photographer to <laughs> yep. professional photographer? Well, I started out really, um, it all started following the local pack of foxhounds um, as a foot follower with my granddad because he used to um, very amateurly whip in and work for um, a couple of hunts sort of post-war. And um, then when he got older, it, he would just follow on, on his feet because yeah. um, he wasn't able to ride anymore. So when I was about 10 or 11, I used to start following hounds with him. And I borrowed my mum and dad's um, old Minolta... Oh, I can't even remember what model camera it was now, but an old film camera. And I borrowed that um, for a couple of times out, out with the hounds. And it... Um, it got to the point where my mum said to me, um, could we have the camera back now, please? <laughs> and I'd got some really cracking photos. Well, I thought they were when I was about 12 <laughs> or so. And, um, and my mum and dad, being both being amateur, keen amateur photographers themselves, really pushed me. And because they've got an art gallery, um, I've kind of grown up around, surrounded by art and, you know, seeing composition always on the walls, um, whether it's photographic or whether it's, you know, painted in oils or acrylics. Um, so one Christmas they bought me um, a basic um, SLR camera and then each progressive birthday or Christmas, a new lens or a tripod or something else or a filter out. set would be yeah. would be added to it. And they, they didn't actually want to buy you photography stuff to become a photographer. <laughs> they, they needed something that they could get you every single year for exactly, Christmas yeah. and birthday. So, um, and it, it went from there really. And I did a city and guilds um, photography course, which is really basic mm-hmm. um, when I was at school and then went on to doing a um, fine art and photography foundation degree um at university of gloucestershire in cheltenham and i should have gone on to do a full three-year degree but it was either at falmouth or i think newport in south wales and i i was a bit of a home bird at that stage and i didn't really fancy leaving to go live that i'm not particularly party goer the thought of dorm life terrified me so i and I, i'm so entrenched in following my so local what age were you at hounds. that point um that would have been what 17 18 okay. just after so a level so I did after A-levels, did that foundation year, so it had been 19, and I should have gone on to do that three-year degree. And my dad sort of said to me, look, he said, I was going to help you through uni um, if I can, um, but how about instead, have you ever thought of, you know, I'll help you out in your first year of business and um, help you buy some kit as a photographer? Because I'd had a few people out in the hunting field commission me to photograph their horses for them, and... It, they'd seem to like it so it it progressed from there and I bought my first um, DSLR I went to focus on imaging as it was at the NEC in Birmingham mm-hmm. and handled both Nikon and and Canon oh and here we get the Nikon <laughs> <Canon> yeah, debate <laughs> <laughs> and um, what I, was it back what was it back then what can you remember what well the models I, were back then um Nikon D2X was it was 2006 so it was Nikon D2X was um what I handled and then and the, the 5D probably I, then, yeah I it? have no clue what the Canon was yeah. to be honest it you made didn't that care. it made that little impact on me <laughs> really? and I handled them both and just the ergonomics of it and whether I've, just cuz I've got small hands or whatever and the Nikon just felt right in my hands and it was yeah um, made the leap bought that bit of kit and it was pretty basic that then but to me it was the most amazing bit of camera kit <laughs> in the world and um it it just sort of went from there really so it's 2006 so it's been 11 years in the making um and probably a and lot of camera bodies in, in a between lot now of and camera then. bodies there's a good few doorsteps that i've got at home doorstops that i can yeah make use of the old bits of lumps of camera kit but um it it just sort of snowboarded i suppose i pitched myself to horse and hound it was very much the hunting world so is that where, where were you first published 
Um, because you're published in everything these yeah. days. I see <laughs> every second front cover I see on a, on a field sports yeah. magazine. Sarah I'm Farnsworth. Sorry about that. No, it, it is nothing <laughs> to apologise about. But what was your first public? Because that must have been um, a big thing when you got your first publication yeah, and your first front cover. There was Country Illustrated yeah, know, with Hunting yeah. Magazine, which is, that still di- is defunct. Now. I love that magazine. Um, and that was my first front cover because they did it, it used to be reverse side. So mm-hmm. one side would be Hunting Magazine. And you'd, you'd flip, flip it, it over, yeah. and it would be Country Illustrated. So I got my first front cover with Hunting Magazine back then, and it was um, sort of almost an un- not an unknown, but it was you know I just got a few nice portraits of hounds' heads, and that that made the cover. So that was my first break, and then I started doing a little bit of work for Horse and Hound in two thousand and eight, um, uh, covering hunt days and for to be doing their reports alongside a writer as correspondent, and. Um, I actually had a, I had an accident where I got kicked by a horse and it snapped my femur. So I was I was oh, late. I was and you're complaining, Daryl, <laughs> sitting there moaning uh, with your broken uh, wrist and your sore knee. And um, I that's was, serious. I was yeah, I was um, airlifted and um, I had a metal rod from hip to knee for four years. But um, it kind wow. of curtailed things. So you were I like Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean was still. <laughs> I can't run to save my life. Um, but yeah, the. Um, uh, I was due to do a couple of horse and hound days afterwards, and that was my first commissioned horse and hound reports. And I thought, this is it; it's over now. There's no chance of anything coming of it. And um, luckily, horse and hound turned around. Oh yeah, don't worry when you're when you're back on your feet, you know. Um, and there was more work, and it started to trickle in from there. And then the more um, the, the the private clients um, were coming to ask me to do, you know, a couple of shoot days and mm. stuff. And it was it was all quite basic at that stage, but it it's just sort of snowballed as the years have progressed. So. And now you you find. You probably find a lot of people coming to you now, rather than having to kind of look for the. Yeah, very the much so. It's I'm amazed that you had to work. With, you wanted to work with horses again after that. I have to say. <laughs> well, I did think that, um, and I'm, and I, I'm very, I'm very reluctant to get on a horse now. Yeah. Um, I'd much rather photograph them from a distance, but. Um, Hence the horse I, racing stuff. Now. I just yeah, I love photographing racing. I love the uh, adrenaline of it, and I love just capturing just just horses in their element mm. um, sin- and just, I just love that you put up a picture not that long ago I'm t- it I think it was a horse white. jumping was it? I think it was in black and white and that you could just see all of the sort of the tendons and the muscle structure of the horse yeah. it was just phenomenal and you got into the horse racing is that just due to you kind of being in the horse hound um, kind of world or was it yeah I mean there's, there's obviously a strong link with hunting to national hunt racing um, but also in, in the bloodstock world um, I've uh, retained by Goffs UK, who are um, uh, an auction house which which um, sell um, thoroughbred racehorses. They have several sales a year, and um, in 2011, I got approached by them because one of the chaps was also a hunting gent. So oh, he, it was all connected, he'd yeah. seen my hunting photography and thought, you know, we could use this this imagery. And because I was d- pushing the black and white photography at that point, it's just something so timeless and evocative about black and white black and white image mm. um and he booked me you know i think it was a bit took a chance on me was the yeah. phrase that they've said to me since <laughs> and because I, I you know they'd i'd be laying down on the ground getting a photo or hiding behind a wall to try and make use of the depth of field with the wall and stuff and the the rest of the team at the at the sales concert be going who the heck is that and what is she Why doing is the girl down lying the in the puddle and yeah. there's yeah and um and then the pictures obviously they they ended up with the finished product and I go okay let, let's just run with it and um it's sort of that's really picked up and I, and I love it there's a good bit of good bit of banter and there's a lot of good atmosphere at the sales and then sort of because of that the a few bits of bobs of racing um sort of picked up as well so um I can't profess to know a lot about the racing world <laughs> but other than what from the side of it what I photograph but I just yeah I like what I see to to take pictures of and document mm. Uh, so what is your what is your mix now in from from that to mm. you, you're doing more and more um, shoot day type photography? Yeah, absolutely. Um, whether it's for magazines um, or whether it's for privately for teams of guns, um, I'm very lucky to get bookings across the board. Or then even if it's product photography of somebody okay. with of, you know companies within the industry that need that need images of their product out in the field um, and get and get really. Yeah, really nice, hopefully evocative images for them as well. Yeah, I think that companies uh, companies and magazines to some extent, certainly the magazines at the top end in terms of like the, the, the visual aspect of how they put the magazines together, they ha- they have to keep 
pushing on just the same as photographers do to search for those great images because like we were saying earlier just with you know generally speaking people taking photos there's a lot of good stuff out there yeah so to do something different from a magazine's point of view or a company trying to sell a gun or a scope or whatever, yeah. they really have to try and push it <laughs> yeah. to do something it. that's different. Because yeah, there's so much information as well being bombarded all the time at you. So oh, yeah. you've got to be a little bit different. Yeah, and especially with social media as yeah. well. That, and sometimes it's sometimes it's a hindrance, but in, in the whole, it's, it's, it's a real help. Well, well, let's, let's just talk briefly about social media in terms of, because this might be of interest, lots of people have little businesses and stuff. We know how it works with us how you have found social media helping your business over the last two years because we've noticed, particularly Facebook, uh-huh. in becoming increasingly very difficult to yep. use as, as a business platform. Have you been finding the, the same kind Absolutely. of... Absolutely. I've got my, obviously my personal account with Facebook and my business page, which is Hunting Photography by Sarah Farnsworth. It's a bit of a mouthful. I'm probably going to be changing the name <laughs> of it just to Sarah Farnsworth the- Photography, I, I would imagine. But um, it's their, their algorithms are limiting your posts so much yeah. to, to who, you know, people that I know in, in the hunting world and the shooting world that say, oh, I always used to see your pictures. Do you not do them anymore? And I'm like, no, you're just not, you're not interacting enough to therefore mm, come like in the it. Feed. The only and, uh, way people can overcome that is if they favourite Yep. Favorite. It's the yep. only way to get and around to, it. So we should sure right now actually. Everybody listen to this podcast. <laughs> find Sarah's page and find if you if you our haven't page. done it already on ours, our Face <laughs> Brothers page, and click the little star and favorite it, and then it'll definitely I, come. I up think as soon as you type in hunting on Facebook, yours is actually one of the the first kind of pages that comes up because it's That's hunting by yeah. Sarah Farmsworth. Yeah, I'm very pretty. True. I'm pretty sure it is one of the because I remember looking at your page at the time thinking that was bloody clever you calling it that, that <laughs> do you reckon yeah. uh, because that that to me it's because i started out doing in the hunting world is in hunting with hounds mm. yeah. and not hunting as the way what you describe as hunting yeah. Yeah. um it's i've thought that it might be a little bit limiting really um because uh, initially my fan base was from people that ride to hounds and see that so it's rather than it's shooting then, hunting yeah, yeah so it's it's diff- it's different it's difficult to sort of um i think the language is changing yeah, i though, think yeah. the word's changing um I mean, we and very much try and encourage that. it yeah, yeah, yeah very brilliant. much i think it's all it should be all encompassing yeah. i don't really see a difference i think it's yeah. all different aspects of hunting i mean even you've probably heard us say this before, but I even see fishing as hunting. It's a yep. t- form. Although I don't ex- expect anyone ever <laughs> going to say I'm going hunting today and grab their fishing yep. rod. But from from me, yeah, <laughs> it, it's basically what you're doing. Yep. It's the same thing. <laughs> Um, but I, I'm pleased, in a way, to hear that you have also found oh, Facebook it's, because it's all, not just we're what not we're pleased doing. for you, but we're yeah. pleased no, that it's not it's, just us. <laughs> it, I find it really, really difficult to to get the reach that I used to. Um, I mean, I was getting, you know, I'd post one image up and just have a little uh, a little caption with it, um, and, and get an explosion of likes. And, and yeah, loves. and now it's just sort of like, oh, well, maybe it's not quite as, and it, it's a bit disheartening for what you feel of as mm. the the caliber of your work. And if you put two um, things so up in a day, forget it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but, um, I mean, we are using Instagram a lot more. As we yep. found that way more useful for us recently. Mm. Are you finding the same? Yeah, well, I'm I'm really new to the Instagram game because I only joined in well, I joined in January 2016. Where are we now? Yeah, um, but I didn't actually start actively updating it until maybe uh, May June time last yeah 2016 last year um and that's been ever I've been certainly turning to that more to promote my photography as Mm. opposed to Facebook because I just find it a little bit more reliable um in in where the reach and obviously learning about using hashtags and you know obviously um going back to the clients or whoever it is as part of the post is a is a massive massive aspect yeah Yeah. I just we we get a lot more interaction yeah a lot more interaction honestly definitely how have you find found? I know, particularly in the photography world, this is it's a thing that it, it comes up in as a point of discussion with a lot of people that I speak to, which is the kind of the copyright aspect of an image or making sure that it's not being like stolen or used. Who was it? Was it Philip Bloom, who's actually well, he does a lot of photography and video. He found, and he's quite well known in the video world, and right. he found loads of his footage being used by random people or pictures being what, used by... they were by claiming r- it as their own? They weren't, well, they weren't necessarily claiming it as their own, but they weren't giving him any credit, and right. they hadn't even contacted yeah. him to say they'd used it. Well, in fact, you know, because he was really angry because he, they had tried to monetize 
one of YouTube. his videos on YouTube, and then YouTube picked up his his video as no being way. infringing there on theirs. Oh, no. and, and it was his video. And YouTube, oh, that's YouTube really... always sides with the person who that, uploaded it. Who first. uploaded it? Like, no way. Like puts, even though they're not the actual. Even though they're not their original. Yeah. Creator of the work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's it's a constant struggle. Um, I'm forever finding, um, pictures of mine scattered over um Instagram, but I've got quite a good bunch of people that do they keep an eye out they for keep you? an eye out or that it's not intentional but they'll come across an image of mine and go they'll screenshot and go by the way these mm. guys are using your photo mm. and you can say they've they've actually cropped out my watermark there or they've <laughs> oh, that you is can cheeky. Really That's crappy, very cheeky. um photoshopping where it just doesn't match up and obviously it's i upload images to facebook and instagram at such low resolution that they're not really usable no. for much but it's still the the sheer cheek of it all that um yeah it it riles me quite a lot i think the f- the thing I find frustrating is that what people don't realise when they do something like that, where where it's very blatant, they're trying to get something out yeah. of using one of your photos, is that is your business. Yeah. Like that is how you feed yourself. That is the same as if you had a small shop. It's the same as stealing something from you know a packet Absolutely. of crisps from the shop. Yeah. It's ex- or or worse. It's there is no difference in my mind. Just the same as if someone was to we haven't we've never had anyone use any video content, but if they were to not use any of our pictures, <laughs> not that we know of a video, it's the same thing. Like we've had to you know, blood and sweat to get that. Yeah. That's how we make money, and now someone else is just going to use it for nothing. Yeah. No, so. it's 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 a regular happening. Um, sometimes people will use the photos to sell a horse so they'll have seen i've got a lovely photograph of them jumping a great big hedge or Mm. something like that and then the photograph appears in a for sale advert with that and i'm like you're selling that horse for many thousands of pounds (laughs) and you didn't want to buy a digital download to make use of which you know the amount of money that you're selling that horse for i'm sure you can afford to um just if that especially if that image is selling the horse you know that image that's selling the horse exactly so um things like that it's sort of I didn't think about things like that. That would be quite irritating. Mm. See how you go, that would wind you up. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Sarah, it's been great to have you on. Uh, I would love to carry on talking, but unfortunately, I've got to take my girlfriend to work. And also, <laughs> you have and a you've got a very long drive. Six hour drive yeah. to get back down to and a, and a puppy tonight. sitting in the back of your car. Oh yeah, poor puppy. <laughs> oh, oh, she'll be asleep in her she little crate. I'm really glad that you had time to come on. Yeah. I, I'm well, sure that this is, you know it's it's still related to the kind of thing that we talk about, but it's just a slightly. We different need angle. to actually yeah. get you back on again at one of the shows because <laughs> I want to go further into like following the packs and stuff like that because it's. Yeah. Stuff that we we literally know nothing about, other than yeah. making a, a, fi- film. a film about it. Mm-hmm. But we had what three, four days of interaction mm-hmm. with it, and that Which was I it. Cannot wait to see that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can maybe send you a private. <laughs> maybe send you a link. <laughs> um, yeah, I would um, like to hear more about that because now I understand the photography of of the hounds and the packs, yeah. and I yeah. always I can always see sort of the emotion and the feeling it. Now I understand where it's come from, knowing yeah. your history. I didn't know that yep. before. Yep. That was and I, get it start, now. So. I get it now. So, best places to contact you? Oh, um, Instagram, um, Sarah Farnsworth, Field Sports, um, Facebook, Hunting Photography by Sarah Farnsworth, and my website is quite simple, www.sarahfarnsworth.co.uk. So, Done. Nice and easy. Yeah. Yeah. Just Google it. Just Sarah Google, it. Just Google Sarah thing. Farnsworth. Yeah, that's probably the first, easiest first thing. First thing that so, comes um, up. Absolutely. Well, safe travel back down the road, and I'm sure we'll be seeing you soon at the shows. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. Well, thank you very much for listening to the show. Please join us again in one week's time, where we'll be bringing you a show all about the latest news updates, because we've got a lot to talk about. We also will be talking a lot about thermal technology, and we will also be bringing you the competition winners and the latest prizes uh, that we'll be giving away. So make sure you tune in on either Thursday or Friday. But more importantly, make sure you subscribe to the show. If you're on iTunes, particularly hit the subscribe button on the top and that means it'll instantly download on your phone and notify you when it is out and then you can always stay up to date we are on loads of platforms we get emails probably once a month from people asking to be put on another platform for them and we always try and do that so if you have a problem listening to the show or you'd like to find out an easier way to listen to the show then either email us or go on our website thepacebrothers.com and hit the podcast tab and then there should be loads of different links on there for different options depending on what device you're using but I can tell you for any podcast if you are on an Apple phone just use the app that's already on your phone if you're on an Android phone I know that Stitcher is fairly good and Podcast Addict is 
pretty good as well. We also have SoundCloud for all the people that are listening on desktop. I believe you can download it. We do see a number of people downloading. A lot of people just stream it. And not last but not least, all of our shows are uploaded an audio version, sometimes a video version, to YouTube as well. So you can always watch on your computer or on your phone as well on YouTube. So you never, ever miss a show. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you learned something about uh, photography and cameras. And if you have a question about cameras or anything like that, please just send us an email. If you have a question to Sarah, send us an email. We can always pass it on as well. I know that in the, the camera world, there is always the great debate of Canon and Nikon. And uh, as uh, we use Canon, Sarah uses Nikon. I think that if you have any questions about either uh, we should be able to uh, help you out a little bit on that, considering how much uh, we use them as well. Uh, I, I actually quite often get questions about drones because uh, I am uh, the, the drone pilot in the company and I had to do all my courses and everything like that. So I often get questions, people asking about legalities of flying it in certain places and, and using it for different applications, stuff like that. So if you do have any questions about drones, then I can try and help. If not, I can find the answer somewhere uh, because um, it's, it is actually fairly straightforward, the, the rules that you need to follow to fly a drone. And uh, because of the affordability of drones now, a lot of people have them as well. Also, I encourage you to go and check out the Scott Country website where their latest winter catalogue is out. It has uh, the latest uh, state-of-the-art uh, rifle scope, night vision, thermal imaging. It also has uh, the ultimate Christmas gifts for uh, the hunter and your family. It has your budget stuff from the Yukon Proton RT uh, all the way through to the Core Pulsar Helium. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then go and check out the their website and check out the catalog. Uh, you know, I'm, j I'm flicking through the website right now and they have some absolutely amazing thermal imaging uh, stuff for close to a thousand pounds 1199 pounds for the new uh, pulsar quantum light and pulsar have been on the go for they you know they are probably one of the market leaders and their stuff just gets better and better every time and if you consider the pricing and consider what it would have cost five just five years ago it's come down in price but been improving the entire time but i'm not going to talk about this anymore on this show i am going to dedicate almost i would say an entire show next week to talking about thermal imaging and uh everything that goes with it including deer stalking vermin at night security surveillance conservation research there's a huge host of things that the practicalities of um like handheld uh thermal imaging and that's what i want to cover next week because i've had a chance to play with quite a lot of the, the handheld uh, stuff and it is really, really incredible what you can do in the palm of your hand now. So thank you for listening and make sure you tune in to next week's show.